Welcome one and welcome all. We are live on Berry Flow Upstream number 133. It is January 15th and we have a lot to talk about. Not oh, really yeah. though. <laughs> so James, you know, you, you look kind of strange. You know, th this doesn't seem normal. Your background, everything's a little different. What's, what's going on with you? I'm traveling. I'm uh, over in Atlanta right now and uh, visiting some family, doing a little road trip shooting some vlog material, all sorts of stuff going on. A lot, a lot in the works the next couple of days and weeks for me. So, um, you know, staying active. This is actually my parents' place. I'm coming to visit them. And uh, I'm in the office, right, which is literally like the dog's room. You guys can't see it, but there's a dog bed, like, right over here. But uh, I don't know why you opened the show saying we had a lot to talk about because we have absolutely nothing to talk yep. about. So if, if you're interested in hearing about BlackBerry, you might want to just, you know, watch something else we are going to be talking about uh <laughs> something else right i'm sure we're gonna talk about enterprise software and all the goodies that come with it what's the top what's on the topic list alex oh man we have the dtech 60 review this was you know a pretty big one that we uh we came up with and when i say we i mean james um we had <laughs> the <laughs> I had Kylie helping me too a lot of the written stuff was both Kylie and I's perspective kind of thrown back and forth because you know, it's subjective when you do a review, right? Blaze can attest to this. You know, your experience with the device may be great, but then someone else's maybe is different. So she and I worked together on that and, and kind of went back and forth. The video was wholly produced by me. There's not many good DTEC 60 video reviews. So we spent a good good while putting that together. Um, it's like eight minutes long or something like that. And if you are trying to sell someone on a DTEC 60 or just on Blackberries in general, show them that video. It was interesting because... When that I put out the video and I actually shared it on my own personal uh, Facebook, and uh, I got some interesting feedback from my brother who's like, "Hey, I um I, re I really like the BlackBerry. You know, I, in my line of work, I see a lot of people who are actually using Blackberries, and I'm like, well, why are they using Blackberries?' And he says, mainly because of the security, you know, and and what the security is being offered is a lot of his peers and colleagues are also using Blackberries, so. One, he, he never watched my reviews ever or anything like that. So he watched them. And he's like, holy shit, these are like really well done. Like, where do you find the time and skills? And I'm like, I, I don't know, to be totally fair. But I, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a DTech 60. You know, it's going to be great. And it's going to you know, satisfy all my needs for multitasking and security. Then I'm like, do you know there's a DTech 50? And he's like, what? So I did the DTech 50 review. And I'm like, yeah, they have another device that's like $200 cheaper that will probably do all the same things you want. And he's like, oh, man. And then he started going on the Berry Flow YouTube and just got lost in it for a while. And he and I were talking a little bit back and forth on that. So it is interesting that I think he's coming to look at a smartphone from a security perspective, right? I don't think that's thing, uh, something a lot of people are doing. So, uh, you know, more power to the review going out and it being there for people to just take a look at. Because in his line of work, he has a lot of like, uh, you know, personal credit card information and things like that. And he's working through multiple apps for different uh, clients and, and stuff like that. So security is really important because he's handing his device around to different people. And, you know, it, it just makes you feel better at the end of the day. And we know BlackBerry is the best in the security space, at least from a, even just from a comfort perspective, right, in terms of what they offer and what their security has. So it was really cool to, for me and my brother to connect in that way even though he's like 10 years older than I am, you know, generational gaps get broken down when you start talking tech. So I thought it was pretty cool. So definitely uh, go check out the review. It's on Berry Flow. It's out there somewhere. Check the YouTubes. Uh, it's funny because uh, you do a great video review, right? And then your written review just 
gets no love, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm not going to read it. There's just a great video up here. I still okay. think that if you want the most comprehensive mm -hmm. written review of the DTEC 60, you got to go to Crackberry. I mean, Blaze breaks down every single app and its current functionality and all that stuff. So kudos to Blaze for taking the time for that because I definitely used his review as a little bit of a reference to build mine and focus on what content I even wanted to show in the video. So thanks, Blaze. You helped. Yay, I'm a helper. <laughs> How was your trip, man? Did you make it back safely? Yeah, I made it back. All right. I'll tell you, I never enjoyed getting back to the cold, but yeah, it, was, uh, it was it was all right. I mean, two flights, basically. I stopped in Toronto and then came back to Halifax. Um, interesting thing, though. I mean, when I I always look when I travel and I noticed that <laughs> that a lot of people were using BlackBerry Bolds this time, like BlackBerry Bold 9900s. I counted like at least six people that were using 9900s on the way home. <laughs> and there was one guy who was sitting next to me um, with his wife uh, on the flight from Toronto who actually had a BlackBerry Classic. And I'm just, I didn't talk to him or anything like that because that was the last leg of my flight. I just passed out. But um, interesting to see how many people are still using BlackBerry OS devices, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I noticed, I, I generally always notice it, but. This time around, it just seemed like there was an excessive amount. Usually, you see like one or two or three, not six, man. I've seen at least six people using Bolt 9900. Kind of crazy. I'm, I'm lucky if I see six in like a year, but Blaze is over at the uh, at the airport like, hmm, what phone is that? <laughs> <laughs> Silent, but, uh, but observing. It's cool to see them in the wild because you wonder what circumstances these people come from. Is it, a, is it just a corporate device that they were given or is it like their actual choice and preference? And I find a majority, when I have spoken with people and been a little bit more, uh, or excuse me, a little bit less introverted than I normally am, and I spark up those conversations, it's like half and half. It's Some of them are just like, yeah, I got it for work, and it works, and I use it. And other people are like, I'm a, I'm a diehard, you know, I'm using it because I want it. It's just really cool to see those different people's perspectives. And in what you observed, ways, do you think it was mostly like corporate devices that were handed out? Is that your thinking? Definitely. I mean, mostly everybody who I saw was dressed up in like business suits, and this, literally this was in Toronto, so yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. kind of have to keep that in the, in mind as well. Um, but there was a lot of people in business suits, a lot of older older gentlemen that were walking around using them. So even there was even one older couple who were <laughs> the the uh, the older gentleman was trying to tell his wife how to basically navigate on her bold ninety nine hundred through the site, and he he literally said like. I don't think that the BlackBerry can show that portion of the site. And then he was like taking out his iPhone and showing her, which I don't know that not, not a great testament to the age of the OS, but you know, it, it was definitely something that was, that was interesting to hear. Like, no, I don't think the BlackBerry is going to show that. Let me pull it up on my iPhone. Right. So kind of weird. It's just bizarre that that problem was solved with BlackBerry 10. Yeah. And yet, and yet, like BlackBerry never like it was weird because, and I don't know if it was like the fact that they were so focused on the smartphone at the time, and maybe not so focused on Bez twelve and you know Bez and and, and how that was evolving. But the BlackBerry work life balance on BB ten literally was built to avoid that problem, so that you could have both lives, you know, your work and personal on one phone, and do it in a super seamless way, and have a hub that worked across both of them across both sides of that partition, right? I mean. 
that's literally what that phone was built for. So that people wouldn't have to carry a bold 9900 and an iPhone. And yet we still see people today who now have a classic and then an iPhone or, you know, some other type of BlackBerry and an iPhone and or, you know, a Samsung device. It's just kind of crazy to think there are solutions to the problem, but the CIOs and the IT guys, maybe Alex can explain why this is the case, but are still clinging to this dual phone thing that's going on. I don't know if it's like BYOD meets the corporate needs and you got to have two to satisfy both sides. Like, I'm not quite sure because there's so many solutions nowadays. It's like people get stuck in something they're comfortable in and then they don't want to leave leave it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Why do you think there's that dichotomy? No, I mean, this is like a really small scale. Um, but looking at some of my clients, the clients that have two phones, like one for work and one for personal, oftentimes it's kind of an older person. Um, and I think it's just simplicity so yes it's a pain to carry two phones with you but they know i'm on this phone this is all my business stuff and i'm not screwing out with personal and i don't need to understand that you know if i do something personal on my work phone like it's it's very simple to know that um whereas the younger generation or at least someone who's taken the time to learn truly how to use their phone and like here's the work segment here's the personal segment um, it, it is tough though, because like that's definitely not a hundred percent case. I think it comes up to the person. Sometimes they like having two phones because, hey, you know, I can use this phone all day and it'll die. And now I have a backup phone, you know, my personal phone or my work phone, and now I have like a fully refreshed battery that I can use. So some use it because they get additional battery in that sense. Other people use it just for simplicity. Other people, I mean, I'm of the camp that's just a pain to carry two phones with you. So you know, figure out how to make it work, business and personal. But I don't know. Uh, unless it gets pushed down from the top down or the IT department saying you need to use one phone and like here, I mean, realistically, I've pushed it on a few companies and I'm like, we can get everything you need on this one phone. And really the younger generation, they're okay with it. The, the older generation they're they complain and they're like, no, 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 I want both phones. It's just the way I want to be able to make a call. And the number that dials out is, is this number. I don't want to have to go to an app to make a call to make sure they don't get my personal number and a bunch of little things like that, you know? So I'm not entirely sure, though. That's just kind of what I've seen a little bit. But next on deck, kind of what we were seeing here is the BlackBerry Developer Summit um, in Europe happening in London on March 24th. Do you think anything special is going to happen or is just, uh, you know, same old, same old Developer Summit kind of stuff? It's well, interesting. Think, uh, yeah, go ahead. Was it like it's an enterprise developer summit as well because... BlackBerry has essentially moved all their development status stuff over to enterprise development at this point. So it's kind of like the the development uh, the developer conference that we saw in New York, only maybe less splashy this time because they were actually unveiling the platform when they did it in New York. Um, and that's why they chose to essentially go ahead and, and have the Europe one was because they, they basically got feedback from the enterprise side of things that they wanted to be able to go ahead and check these things out in such a capacity with the developer platform but um there was no none of that stuff was available in europe so this is an opportunity for them to go ahead and and basically introduce these things to developers who are interested in picking it up in europe so i don't i don't expect anything super splashy to happen it's just a developer event that people will go to but hopefully in the long term i mean those developer events uh, are, are things, that's how apps get built. That's how people learn about new things, right? So um, even though we don't generally see it on our side, um, that that is re- the reality of it. That's how people learn about this stuff. So 
you know, it's it's good that they they'll have it available for people to attend. Totally. Even with you know with BlackBerry UEM and the whole app platform behind it, going to a region and getting developers who are building those apps for companies in that region, I think is critical because that just brings the value for of UEM up for those individual businesses who maybe need a specialized app for their for the, for their employees. So I think it's a great idea to go there, get with the local community in the area, and say, all right. Here's our platform. You may have an app already. Let's bring it on board and show you how you can weave it into this whole solution so that you can increase your security credentials and overall flexibility, too. So definitely, as Blaze mentioned, it's something good to do. Maybe not as flashy this go around, but maybe they've learned a little bit also from those earlier releases that they can take in and compound on some of the information that they're able to give as well. We've talked many months on this podcast about a lot of the London and UK focus that we're seeing there in Europe. So I think it's just great to have presence there as well, because a lot of the businesses and customers that they're looking for are all about it. You know what I'm saying? They're all about having that corporate security. So I think it's pretty great to have some presence there, have the BlackBerry name out. I think it's just positive overall. What else do we have, Alex? You know, I was I was wondering... How do you get the dark theme kind of working on the, the BlackBerry Hub on Android? Is that a thing that you can do now? You know, I, I was hearing a couple of things. Yeah. So first, before we talk about dark theme, which is the name of the, <laughs> oh. which is the podcast, right? I think it's a clever thing to do because it's almost, it's like a statement to almost, I think, to a lot of the PDU stuff. <laughs> and, and it's at it's a foreshadowing in a way, and, and Blaze, maybe you can speak on this in your own uh, line of sight, but if I'm someone who's looking at the BlackBerry camp and I'm looking at BB10, which they just pushed an update to, which they could have potentially thrown Dark Theme into, right? I mean, they could have. They've told us it's a security update. Tossing in that little Easter egg just as like, a, you know, thanks for being our user, you know, pat on the back for you guys. They could have done it. They didn't. They focused solely on the NIAP certification and some underlying improvements. The fact that on Android, they're addressing customer concerns and bringing them the dark theme, to me, it's a very clear indication of BlackBerry's commitment to Android versus BB10. And I don't want to say they're not committed to BB10 because, of course, we know there's a forthcoming update to, again, increase the security credentials. But again, if you're a consumer in any sense that's really looking for a secure alternative that's more flexible, it's going to get support longer term. Android's the way to go. And if you're a user who does want, you know, dark theme, you got to take it for what it is that what you want is on now an operating system that you may or may not use, right? So to me, it's a very clear indication that BlackBerry's saying, hey guys, you know, go to Android, please go to Android, you know, because that's where we are. What do you think, Blaze? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I totally agree with what you said. I mean, like like you said, they could have gone ahead and put it in there, but everything was focused around the security update and all of that um, with 10.3.3. So, I mean, if you want it, it's there, it's available. You just have to move on over to Android. So, you got to make that choice because I don't I don't think it's going to make its way backwards to BlackBerry. So yeah, and that's 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 the you said it perfectly backwards. They're not looking that way anymore. It's solely what's ahead. That's important to BlackBerry. And just in terms of like adoptability and stuff like that, Android's just so much more flexible. And you got to think, if someone were to buy it, one of the early problems with like the Z10 for early adopters was they downloaded it. They ended up, excuse me, they didn't download They bought it, right? (laughs) They 
got it to work. They, they got through the learning curve, but then ultimately came to the point where there's no apps. I don't have Netflix or I don't have Spotify or don't. And this is the early days, right? Where we didn't have the Amazon app store to actually supplement a lot of that. So if you think about it, if you pick up a Priv, right, you may end up saying like, eh, you know, I, I'm not too keen on the hardware itself, but the software supports what I need. It does have all those apps, right? I have Google Play and I have the flexibility. So you're less likely to get returns and things like that on something like an Android smartphone. And I think the same cadence holds true for what BlackBerry is doing with some of their latest Android smartphones like the DTEK50, DTEK60, and forthcoming Mercury. It's that I may hand you a BlackBerry, but long term, you're going to stay for the software experience that you get on it. And that is ultimately predominantly powered by Android, right, and all the flexibility that Android brings. So at the end of the day, you may feel some type of way about the hardware that you get, but ultimately the software is going to solidify your uses and give you the access to the things that you really want. So if I'm a salesperson who's looking to sell a BlackBerry to someone, I should absolutely be trying to push the Android solution because I'm very likely going to have less problems in terms of support and you know app compatibility and all those things offering that Android solution. Whereas on the BB10, it may be much more secure than the Android version, but at the same point, I'm gonna, it's going to be a harder pressed uh, solution to actually get that support, get those apps on board that you know the actual employee may need to use. So it's just a good strategy, I think, for BlackBerry to focus on the Android piece. And Alex, you wrote up an uh, article on Reddit. No, you wrote up an article on CrackBerry forums. Maybe it was on Reddit, then you moved it to CrackBerry forums, then you moved it to BerryFlow. Either yeah. way, it's an article that got a lot of traction. They had, like, at least on BerryFlow, like 50-plus comments just talking about why Android is a great move for BlackBerry. And maybe you can throw that somewhere for people to read, Alex, if you want to dig it up for them. But read that because it talks a lot about why Android is such a smart move for BlackBerry. And even as we look toward some of the licensing and things that BlackBerry is doing, even the joint venture, Android just makes sense for BlackBerry to be at right now. And I, I honestly feel, had they done it earlier, it might have been very good for them as well. But now that they are here and they're pushing NuGet potentially to these devices in the future, dark theme and having these app updates is something they definitely need when we talked about mercury in our after show last week we talked about oh i excuse me i talked about my fears that the blackberry software experience isn't as aggressive as tcl's hardware uh you know push that we're clearly seeing i mean this deal with tcl we've already seen two devices hit the market almost months apart from one another and now we have a mercury handset coming as well so they're going pretty aggressively in the hardware front but if blackberry is not there pushing that software forward at a similar pace, people are going to feel left behind in, in a sense, right? Especially if like NuGet comes to the Mercury and then it lags for some of the other smartphones. I mean, people are going to feel some type of way about it. Things like bringing dark theme to the hub on Android, I think are super important because those little things are what are going to keep that experience moving forward for a lot of users out there. And I think it's something that's super positive. Um, I think it looks really, really good as well. Like, I don't know why, but like the little uh, hub ribbon colors that you're able to assign to your accounts, they just pop and have more color and contrast on the dark theme look. So it's actually much more easier to look at and organize and, and get an overall view of what's in your hub on the dark theme. So I think it's just a, a really great solution. And I hope they keep doing things like that. <laughs> it was funny, Blaze, uh, on Crackberry, I saw in the, uh, the comment section, someone's like, it's not dark enough. It's not black, yeah, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's and, not real black. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you're right. You know, you're totally correct. It's not dark enough to necessarily turn off those AMOLED uh, you know, pixels. But 
the end of the day, it is what people have been asking for. So you give people what they want, they're still not necessarily totally satisfied. Well, so, so that's the big thing that happened, like just with design in general. Um, if you use just pure black, then you need to lighten it up to make to to have breaks and things like that. Whereas when you're using like a, a darker gray, then you can use black or a little bit darker gray to break things up. So you visually you can get something that looks really nice if you're using dark grays. But once you do just a black user interface, it's going to be very ugly yet functional. So you're always going to have that kind of discrepancy. It's like I want pure black because it's going to turn off AMOLED and I want the battery savings. And then there are other people, if they did that, they'd be like, this looks terrible. Like, okay, I don't care that it gives me battery savings right. if I have an AMOLED like, phone. Complaints wouldn't be about the battery then. It would it, be just complaining about the how design. Terrible. Yeah, exactly. How functional does it so, yeah. yeah, Come on, let's put it let's let's put it into a grand perspective here. How much oh, yeah. does battery get saved just by using no. a pure black? I mean, if everything on your device was black, sure. But if you're only changing one app, yeah. then you're not even it's it's nominal like who cares nobody's you're not even going to notice it it's like two percent per day or something like that yeah. nobody's going to care hey if you're a hardcore gamer that two percent may go uh, a oh long boy. way oh boy <laughs> i saw that little i use blackberry's app on android into black because you know why not you know if it's there and it's an option i'd use it and i think a lot of people if if it defaults to that dark gray good mm -hmm. but if black was an option why not people might use it and again maybe a forthcoming update right this this ad this dark theme is still in beta if i'm correct blaze so it's not necessarily wholly available to everyone right now but yeah. once it is options are good and leave yourself some runway to continue adding other things on right you throw it all at once people are just gonna be like oh too, too much right and just leave it where it is slow and progressive updates give them a roadmap to build on the software experience I'm still just waiting for the productivity edge to get updated with something, you know, because oh, yep. it's, it's yeah. like I, I want to use it, but there's nothing really to use it. You know, it's so redundant in a lot of ways, because in Android, you can slide down to get your notifications. The hub has all your notifications and then the edge has your notifications and emails. So it's like there's three different ways to get to one type of thing. It needs to be rounded out in a more seamless way. Just add some app shortcuts, you know, I mean, that's all I need. There's also not enough. Um... Integration is not really the right word, but that's what it is. It's basically integration with cloud services and stuff like that. Um, throughout the notes app and stuff like, yeah, you can you can go ahead and like, I was reading a forms post earlier uh, from a few days ago, and basically someone someone switched devices from uh, I don't know what it was. I wasn't really paying attention that much, but let's just say for the sake of it, it was like a priv to a DTEK sixty or something like that, and they had a a ton of notes that were in BlackBerry Notes. And then when they switched, those notes were all basically gone, right? Yeah. Now, there is ways that you can go ahead in the, in the BlackBerry Notes app if you're using a supported account that all of that stuff will automatically just sync back up, right? But if you're, if you're not using a supported account or if you're just using local notes, then basically that stuff doesn't get backed up. And the real question there is, like, why doesn't that stuff get backed up? Why doesn't BlackBerry go ahead and add in that capability to be able to go ahead and back those things up to make it easier when people move around. I think I think that's something that that really needs to be improved within BlackBerry's Android right now. Is I guess you could it's not a real word, but the, the backup ability I guess you could say is like yep. Um, yep. something that they need to work on because if I'm moving from device device to device, then 
if I want to continue making continue making use of those BlackBerry apps, even if it's not on a BlackBerry specific device, they make it really hard to be able to go ahead and transition those things because they don't have any any cloud integration developed into them. Like if I move from a Priv to a DTAC sixty, I want my notes to automatically move. I want my password keeper to move. I want all my calendar and contacts and stuff like that to be able to move. And some of that integration is there, but some of it's really not. It's it's like they didn't think about other people moving to different devices. But now that you're offering this suite of things um, to pretty much the whole Android ecosystem, you really need to start thinking about that stuff because people people really do appreciate that in the long run. Like nobody wants to have like 10,000 notes in their notes app and then manually have to transfer them over, right? Oh, you know, and even even worse than that, like, I mean, I have a client I just met with the other day, and he has all of his passwords in his Note app. Not He's not using BlackBerry specifically, but it's not synced up to the cloud. And one thing is he said that he deleted the Note, you know, somewhat recently, lost all of his passwords. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, there's a few problems with that, but that's kind of the thing. Not having it backed up by BlackBerry causes things like this to happen, and then people start hating BlackBerry because... They screwed up. Like their notes app is the one that screwed up. It wasn't, you know, their fault or something like that. So I think right. it's a no brainer that they that they at least have some type of cloud functionality there for yeah. notes. Like you could talk about security and things like that, but like you can encrypt even, you know, password keeper, last pass and first pass and or one pass. Like all this exists already for a reason, and and we need it because people that aren't using it, they're they're going nuts, you know. Yeah, that's that's the other side of it too. I mean, I totally get the whole security aspect of it, but I mean, as long as it remains an optional thing and isn't turned on by default, then you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah. Like as long as you're as long as you're going through the 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 regular steps to be able to go ahead and and one secure that stuff, provided people do enable it, and two make it optional, then the security you know concerns are sort of erased at that point because yeah. it's the it's the end user opting in to be able to go ahead and, and take control of that stuff, right? And I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. It, it becomes increasingly crucial, especially if people are switching devices. Like, nobody wants to lose data. And oh, unfortunately, no. that's what's currently happening with the way that some of the systems are set up right now. And I think BlackBerry has – there's an opportunity there to go ahead and improve it. So. Yeah, oh, and I think the, the way to improve it is through integration, not necessarily building it yourself. You know, okay. like, and that's, you know, if they, if they tacked in Google keep to the, to the notes app, you know, or to the tasks app or plug into some other APIs that are available through partners, that's, that's the best solution. I mean, especially in terms of the seamless user experience blaze where, you know, I could tap my old device to my new device and things transfer over people think, okay, great. It's all going to transfer over. But then my contacts aren't there. My notes aren't there. And all the stuff that was in my BlackBerry apps is not there. Right. And that's a really really frustrating thing for people who expect it to be seamless and then it's not. So right. I, I totally agree. There's a lot of work that can be done. And as we've said before on past streams as well, it's like, how hard is it to throw a file manager together? You know, how hard is it to go ahead and, and really up the blackberryness of your, your Android experience? Cause right now it's essentially stock Android and to force your users to then explore Google plays millions of apps to try to find a solution that they got out of the box before again, hurts the user experience to a degree, right? They may find a better solution than they could have ever imagined, but they have to go find it and potentially pay for it, Or just right? partner up with someone that, that already made the file manager. Like, there are some phenomenal file managers, and it's like if BlackBerry just partnered up to make one pre-installed, 
Like I don't I don't know. I'm sure it's something to be worked right. out. James, you said it. You said it a few seconds ago. Yeah. Like they're they're moving from a system that previously offered these things, and arguably, that is those integrations and those uh, you know connections are what made BlackBerry 10 really really good, right? So yeah. why wouldn't you go ahead and and sort of make that same correlation on your Android OS? Like I I know I'm not saying that they they should go ahead and take over everything and and you know basically touch with it up. I'm just saying that they need to have these integrations within their own applications to make them more robust, which mm. ultimately makes the, the software itself more robust. You don't need yeah. to weigh things down. You just need to, to basically offer more within what your own solutions are, you know? Like you don't have to go core level with it. Just basically add on to stuff that is already pre existing with your with your own apps. If I was BlackBerry, and this is probably a terrible idea, and I probably shouldn't tell BlackBerry, and people are probably going to be upset that I even mentioned this, but if I was BlackBerry, I would put, so I would sell ad space in the form of suggested apps for good app solutions to, to plug the holes so that there's a reoccurring revenue, but then the, the user ultimately decides whether they want to go get it, right? Put Solid Explorer as a suggested app at the top of my launcher, right? I might just go download it and be like, oh crap, this is just like DB10. It's awesome, right? Yeah. So you don't even need to necessarily go build it or partner or pay for support or whatever, but it's a simple way for people to get access to yeah. those things and it's BlackBerry recommended or BlackBerry yeah. suggested. And that's a super low level way for them to go, at least. You know, partner up and do that. It's but, interesting but that what, Google Pixel Launcher does something similar to that already, just suggest apps to you. And I turn that off personally because <laughs> I hate that. But what it's happens? Like what happens though if, like, say they recommend Solid Explorer and then all of a sudden, uh, Solid Explorer gets, uh, you know, bought out by Cheetah Mobile and then they put viruses on it and people are like, BlackBerry recommended viruses to me. Like, can it come back and, to them? And that's a great thing that they, for some reason, preload Lookout on that on the phones, right? <laughs> yeah i don't even know if blackberry understands how that happened yeah. but okay they don't because i've talked to support about them they had they had no idea that it was there anyway um let's kind of close this out there is a 40 percent off all accessories from shop blackberry right now so does anyone want to speak on that yeah go to go to crackberry.com there's a nice list of all of those blackberry shops by region click on that It'll send you to your specific region for Shop Blackberry, and you're good to go. And you can pick up all your accessories. I know a lot of people who are picking up like some older devices. I mean, the Priv is at a really good price in a lot of places. So it's nice that these accessories are available. They're OEM accessories, and they're and they're nice. I mean, I really really like some of them that Blackberry has, especially some of the uh, like the cases for the DTEC50, something like the smart sleeves. My mom uses that on her DTEC50 and she loves it. The fact that she can answer a call without having to take the phone out, I mean, she, she really digs that. And the fact that she can throw it in her purse and know it's basically totally covered except for that small little screen, uh, she, she loves that. So there's a lot of good accessories in there. I also highly recommend the Priv hard shell with the kickstand. I would not get the regular shell, but definitely get the kickstand. It's a little bit more expensive, but you get the kickstand and you get a nice texture on the back, whereas you just get the flat plastic on the standard one. I like that one. There's some good holsters if you're a holster guy. Um, I know there's some holster lovers out there who just will not get away from the holster. So there's some good holsters in there as well. 40% off. I mean, this is what you're waiting for. A lot of people wait on sales to go shop at Shop Blackberry. This is the time to do it. Something you could do is, you know, 
buy your accessories and then wait for that device sale. And then you've got your accessories ready to go as well. So go to crackberry.com, check out the post. And again, there's links to all the regions. Click on your region and go make a purchase. All right. Let's, let's jump into this after show because I got to talk about WhatsApp and why all of this news is recirculating about WhatsApp security for no reason. <laughs> why? This is the same. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's fake news. All right, it's guys. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> we will talk to you next week. See you later. See you guys. Later. That's going on that they don't necessarily talk about in the book. So it's actually like a bigger, more explained story because when he first wrote the books, it was like, I'm writing them. And then it's like, oh, I want to, I have a long-term view. Like these are doing well. Let me build a longer plot. So at first, the first couple of books were kind of like standalone to, to, to a degree. Oh, good to So yeah, I mean, uh, it's cool that he's getting to rewrite it and retell it in that way because uh, this is a Heineken, by the way. I'm not a Heineken guy, but um, it was in the fridge. So, yeah. And then the Jim Carrey and that whole movie, and that movie was made by the same people who made the, the show. So it's like there's a lot of things that they wanted to keep the same because they thought they like nailed it. But at the same point, it's like, damn, I watched the movie and I've watched like half of this season already. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like the same. The hair is the same and like a lot of it is the same. And there's a lot of things that in the broader, the broader, broader, broader story, they're leaving tons and tons of Easter eggs for. So if you haven't read the whole series, like – the first two episodes, they are heavily, heavily, heavily laden with Easter eggs and a bunch of things that we'll talk about on the after after show, which is not your live yeah. because I don't want to it for anybody. But no. go watch that. We we were talking. By the way, though, we were talking about series of unfortunate events, and I was also talking about NPH. Um, I had my mic muted, so no one actually heard. I was just saying that NPH is a little bit weird as the main guy. He's in How I Met Your Mother and these other roles, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I always Patrick do that. Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So. I was like, MPH? Who the fuck N-P-H-J. is that? But, right? <laughs> so, um, he's actually executive producer on it, too, oh, which is yeah. interesting. Didn't know that. He's, he's paying to be in the, in the role and, you know, produce it and all that. But if you're looking for some good shows to watch, guys, watch The OA on Netflix. It's about near-death experiences. Fantastic show. It's Stranger Things for adults. Like, it's a more adult, more dark, more gritty version of Stranger Things. Very highly recommended. The OA. For another good show, Into the Badlands is another awesome show. It's coming back for season two in February. Go check that out. That's, like, really hard to explain. Um, It's Western meets Samurais meets post-apocalyptic world. That's a good way to sum it up. That's a good one. Another good one is, I always recommend The 100, if you haven't seen that. Started out as a CW show, really interesting. In CW, if you know, it's like vampires, werewolves, preteen drama BS. So they started out like the first couple episodes, and it was very much like a CW show. But then CW was like, no, no, we don't want that at all. Like, we actually want you to like do exactly what you want to do, and don't build a show for us. Like, we're trying to rechange our image. So 
literally midway through the season, the tone switches and it goes hard in the paint. What, and that's what movie or what show? That show is called The One Hundred. The One Zero Zero. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, that's a great show. Um, I'm looking Very at the show. OA right now. Is it like, is it like Black Mirror in a way? Mm-mm. No. Is every episode like related to the previous episode, or is it like a front? Okay. It's a continuous story. Okay, um, okay. That's a good one. Gosh, what else is out there? There's so many Preacher. good shows that Preacher's good. Yeah. Sensei is good. Especially sensei. the the Sensei Christmas special is absolutely amazing. If you haven't oh, watched that, it just made you want to party, you know. <laughs> I couldn't get yeah. into Sensei. That it was a freaking crazy show. I watched I think like five or six episodes, maybe. It's a little bit confusing. I'm sure it takes more to kind of get into it and fully understand everything that's going on, but I, it's not my kind of show for whatever reason. Yeah, well, you're, you're no longer my friends. So yeah. There's that. No, I've heard great I was, things about it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, great. I don't have to do this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, all this stuff with WhatsApp has just been perplexing. And literally, UTV posts these things, and I just cry on the inside because it's like, wow, you wrote the same headline you did two years ago again and again. And it's the same stuff. It's it's like new information on the same old loophole, you know, the same old pitfalls. And you know, I spoke with one of our patrons about it, and he, he, you know who I'm talking about, Alex, and it's it's WhatsApp. It's it's massive, and it's end-to-end encrypted, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It's like the intelligence agencies, if they want your information, will go get it. If yeah. they want to read your, your conversations, they'll go read them, right? It's, it's not something that is really going to protect you. All it really does is protect you from the organization itself that's really all that encryption does it protects you from whatsapp reading your messages as opposed to spy agencies and all that i mean at the end of the day if someone wants your information they're going to get it and they're going to do it probably in the most easy way which is hack your account and just read them as opposed to break the encryption the aes 258 you know bit encryption so i hate seeing this news recirculate because it's the same thing that has more or less been circulating for a while. And we see the same thing with BBM. You know, BBM got hacked. The, the global encryption keys are out there. It's like, yeah, well, they've been out there since 2011, you know? <laughs> it's not news. It's really not. Yeah. This is frustrating. Because if you look at the, the dossier that was leaked about Trump, they throw Telegram so hard under the bus for security issues. And it's like, there were known security issues in Telegram, probably back when that stuff even happened, yeah. even though it's pro- all probably fake anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just garbage. It's like, I-, I hate seeing news like that because people these days, all they do is read one headline from one source and they call it a day. They don't read multiple articles, get multiple perspectives on something. They read one or they watch one video and they call it a day. And Do yourself some justice so you don't sound like an asshat and do some research. And no, you don't need to pull out an almanac and like thumb through it, right? But get multiple sources. Read the read the liberal, read the partisan, you know, get all sides of the story before you really want to dive in and start speaking on it. Because at the end of the day, if you stick to that just one mindset and one uh, frame of view, you're gonna miss the entire picture that's out there. And and in in news media especially, it happens a lot where people post their opinion and people will take it for what it is. And then get mad that they got an opinion. And it's like you asked for the opinion, you know? You come to the channel to see the opinion. But at the same point, you get mad when it's when it's biased. It's like, well, no shit. It's, it's my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Kills me. It really does. 
This is why I just don't use WhatsApp. <laughs> That's funny because uh, I was helping our, our, our mutual uh, patron friend uh, sending him the device file or the device info for the DTEC 60 because he wanted to be able to look and see, you know, how does it display on the back end? And the device actually shows up as Argon, which is amusing considering you know, all we know about the device's code names not being real code names, even though literally up until they flipped the, flipped the switch, those devices were absolutely neon and argon, you know? And there's plenty of material about them being named as such as well. So it's just kind of funny that even in some of like the backend device info stuff, it's still labeled as such, which I find kind of interesting. Well, you know something sticks when it even makes it into like pre-release you know, um, pre-orders and stuff like that. Like, even some of the pre-orders had them all listed as Argon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's been it's been tough, guys, because when I did that DTEC 60 review, just as an example, it's like I'm reviewing a fantastic phone. I'm reviewing a flagship phone that is just as good as an iPhone 7 Plus. It's just as good as the Google Pixel XL. And I say that because I've used the Pixel, you know, I've, I've experienced both devices and yeah, the Pixel has its perks. Like for instance, someone called me the other day and it says, uh, what was it? I don't know what specific verbiage is, but it says like suspicious number or number whatever, like it's suspicious. It, it basically has, again, using the Google engine knows when numbers are, are fake or spam or whatever. And that's a really nice thing to have. So again, it's using the Google search algorithms to tell me if that number is legit or not. So little things like that are, again, really nice additives, but it's not something that all of Android is going to get. One of the things that I think is kind of an interesting conversation right now is that Pixel is coming to market or came to market at a time where Samsung owns Android, you know, for all intents and purposes. And they're going to continue owning Android. I heard a, a statistic that of all the devices sold in 2016, Pixel accounted for like 1.3% of all of them. Wow. And that's crazy. That's, it's a high, that's it's high. a high number. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a high number, but at the same point, if you compare that to what Samsung did, even with the Note, it's small. So again, it's like Google's now coming to like, oh shit, we got to kind of like get control of our Android again because Samsung's running with it, and that breaks the user experience in so many levels because if you say Android, People don't think of stock Android. They think of Samsung because that's how they've experienced Android over the years in, in many forms, right, and to many degrees. So it's nice that the Pixel comes out because it's it's something that kind of juxtaposes what Samsung's been doing with Android. And I think it's a powerful sentiment that Google is now kind of taking the reins and, and raising the bar ultimately for what Android's doing. In the same sense, though, when the S8 drops, I mean – the, the Pixel 2 or whatever is going to have to really kick ass to, to compete with some of these new devices coming out because a lot of them are getting more and more compelling. Look at the Huawei Mate 9. I mean, beautiful dual camera setup, right? So you get the best of the stuff on the iPhone from a camera perspective. You get a very near stock Android experience as well. And you get awesome hardware. Huawei did the Nexus 6P. I mean, they do good stuff. Google's even admonished that they've done good stuff. And then we have HTC coming out and doing... Gosh, I don't know if you guys saw the, the HTC announcements and devices, but it's they took like every bad idea and put them into one, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't yeah. a second screen, like steal the V10 and the V20's thunder. Like why? 
on top of that, the lower price ones using the MediaTek processors. Yeah. It's like, I just don't get it. Like, they made all the wrong decisions. And it's like coming off of the Pixel hardware, you'd think they'd come back with like something killer, but it has a shitty speaker just like the Pixel does, or, you know, not fabulous considering HTC has done some of the best speakers in the market. All of this is to say that BlackBerry and TCL have a fantastic opportunity to claim market share because everyone's dicking around right now. That's my opinion on it. But I feel like no one's really pushing the envelope in any real sense. The fact that the Mercury is coming out and doing something different, I think is powerful to the market because it shows people that, you know, innovation isn't dead necessarily. And if they can prove a market for 40 Androids, that even opens their own niche up to do whatever the hell they want. You know, they can serve that user base in the enterprise space and really kill it. Because I think a lot of people do want something that is secure and that is productive and that is ultimately has that Blackberry look and feel. A lot of people after posting the DTX60 review are like, eh, nice phone, not for me. You know, I want something that looks like a Blackberry. I don't want just another slab. You know, I'm not going to pay $600 or $400 for a slab. I want a Blackberry. You know, I want something that looks like a Blackberry. The Mercury will cover that. (laughs) Exactly. So... It's cool that they're going to have that that roadmap of, of devices to 2019 because it shows, again, that aggressive focus on being in the hardware space and competing with the giants. And if TCL is bold enough to back up those claims and market to those claims and they want to compete with Apple and Samsung, they're the ones that can do it. They have the propensity to absolutely go, in, go out and kill it. It's just very interesting the way the market sits right now because with Samsung having the lion's share of the Android mind share and market share, the overall experience has to, is, is just going to get more and more squeezed by Android and Google because at the end of the day, if Samsung is controlling a lot of what the users are experiencing on Android and Android doesn't isn't given the room to breathe the way it needs to, you can imagine that the tensions are going to rise between those two. And at the end of the day, either Samsung is going to go and choose another operating system and figure out the app solution with money on their end or – then Google's going to have to do more and more things to make the Pixel or whatever phone they're launching more and more unique and increase the value proposition. One of the crazy things about this whole HTC device is that, and that HTC didn't talk about, is that it's one of the only Android phones right now that has the Google Assistant and AI built into it. I mean, you'd think you'd want to talk about that, right? But no, of course not. (laughs) It's very interesting, the marketplace. Do you guys think that uh, we might see more, more and more phones have that Google Assistant kind of preloaded onto it what do you think alex um i i genuinely don't know if it's gonna be i mean it it makes sense for it to be in the future i don't i don't know how long they're gonna be waiting for you know to get it off of just the pixel um there's only i I don't think it's, it's really a selling point of the pixel and in some scenarios like I kind of missed the the other one because you can like identify music with it, whereas this one you can't. Like it's missing some functionality, but there are a lot of things that I love about the pic- or about the assistant too. But they're like slowly adding back features. So now if you actually hold down and you swipe up, um, you can't do it on the home screen. So that's interesting. Um, but if you hold down and swipe up, damn it, it's listening to me talk. Yep, there's now share screenshot. So. They got rid of that for a long time, and that was like I missed the old one because you could just like take a quick screenshot and send it over in one action. Where so like they're slowly adding things back to assistance. So I feel like assistance is not even there yet 
for for it to no, be mass released. But that's the reason for it to go ahead and get mass release. Because how do you make an assistant better? You get more users of it. You get it learning more. But some of it, like they know that they need to add it back. They're just being slow with it. So I like I wonder. I feel like they're just very slow moving with it. But they're probably doing a ton of shit. Like I don't know. Where what are right. they? You you analyze data. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a long time to filter through data, even with machine learning and stuff like that. It takes a long time to filter through data. And basically, they're going to take their time, add back all the stuff that people want, essentially add it back, and then release it out gradually, because that's how things improve. You release them gradually. To me, it, it basically, Assistant is acting in exactly the Google way, which is roll it out as a quote-unquote beta for a long period of time and then just let it loose, right? Like, that's that's generally what happens with Google products is they get released in a beta form. The Pixel is literally, the Assistant on Pixel is basically a beta release without actually calling it a beta release. And then they just continually add features to it until it becomes a really great product. And then, you know, if, if it falls under standard google operating procedure they'll kill it off at its peak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. this is great let's kill it <laughs> yeah how oh, google it just it just kills me because like from an architectural perspective qnx is so much better you know the multi-threaded true multitasking obviously the much smaller code base and all of that I just wonder where we're going to be like in five, ten years. Like, are we going to be talking about Android and iOS or are we going to be talking about like the next gen operating systems and what do those look like? Who made them? I can, if I was Samsung right now, I would absolutely be building the next gen operating system because if I could move people away from Google and control what I'm getting off the shelf, that would be powerful. Like, imagine if Samsung made an open source operating system to compete with Google longer term right and built in some of their own ai capabilities and things like that it just makes me wonder really long term where we're going to be and what we're going to be talking about in terms of the mobile environment versus the kind of broader iot environment too because so many things out there right now are basically cruxed and held back by the pace of what google's offering i don't know if you guys saw but like google's made changes to the android 7 release that are requiring in the guidelines that you do not modify the notification system at all, right? So you, you keep to the stock, because really like NuGet, the best part about it is the new notification chain, right? And the new quick replies and instant replies and all that stuff. And they're not they're not signaling, you know, BlackBerry or Samsung out in that. They're really going after like all the Chinese manufacturers who are doing whatever the hell they want with Android, you know? And we're modifying it to all hell and it doesn't even look like Android anymore. The fact that those people are doing that gives me the idea that there is probably a market out there of people who want more flexibility and more customization to make a unique experience for themselves. And that's where I see the licensing potential of something like BB10 to a Chinese manufacturer, you know, small margin business somewhere else so that they can go crazy and do whatever they want, right? And preload their, you know, Chinese app store and that has all the pirated apps and whatever. And they get to do all of that and have the flexibility and customization that they want without necessarily, you know, being tied to Google. Because again, Android is just going to get more and more stringent on what they demand people use in terms of the guidelines of rolling out this open source project. And even more so with 
their Google Play services and things like that, all of it is much more confined and streamlined, right? If you really want the pro-level access and support, then you're going to have to go ahead and get Google Play services built into your apps. And then from there, again, you're confined down the Google path to make your app, you know, totally successful in the Google Play Store and things like that. So it's kind of interesting the way these algorithms and everything works together. I'm still interested to see really like who's going to come out ahead in all of this, especially in the automotive space, because that's really pressing for BlackBerry right now, I think. And with Tesla and Lennox and all of their, you know, neural net stuff coming out, it's getting competitive. It really is. How far away do you guys genuinely think we are from autonomous drive, like at a consumer level? Do you guys think we're going to see it in the next five years? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say five years would be like the, the, the max. I'm hoping three to start seeing some serious stuff on the road. Um, I am curious about what is going to make mainstream though, because will yeah. it be Uber or will it be you know Google trying their thing with Waymo or whatever it's called? Um, like who's going to be the one that's going to make it the norm, or is mm-hmm. it just going to be in the major transportation? Uh, uh, well, oh, who is telling? Someone is saying something along the lines of some cities and towns and you know places are working into putting like magnets in the road to allow for cars to like know where the road is because like one of the things is if it's snowing and rainy or think a bunch of different things going on it's tough for a car just to be spinning around you know with the little camera seeing i'm on the road right now because it's looking it, it cues versus everything else well what if there's a lot of snow on the road you can't tell where the road is versus you know the the sidewalk and everything else so yeah something along the lines with like magnets or something or uh, cabling that can can push up like a little frequency or something and that's actually like interesting because it's like that's build, building it into the road instead of relying on the car and that makes sense they really should it sh- should be able to be met two ways right like the car is being manufactured and made and then the road should be able to work with it as well it doesn't necessarily need to be a hundred percent the car so but it, it is a, a tougher thing we need to do some things to get there that brings up a deeper conversation about the actual roads themselves, though, because, I mean, we're all talking about cars, but there's also technological advances in how they actually put down roads, too. Mm. There's solar-powered tiles that are being oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. used as roads nowadays. Yeah. So, like, I mean, at some we don't, we don't generally hear about it too much, but, I mean, at some it's point in time, there has to be a convergence of that technology as well, because, you know, what a... What a who, who's going to control the network of your roads communicating with the cars? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of potential just even in that aspect alone. Like, the the term technological highway or whatever actually becomes a reality at that point. <laughs> it's kind of totally crazy cool, to think yeah. about. <laughs> Here's two questions we had from our patrons that I wanted to get in there. Uh, Waldo42, who is Lee, says, hey, happy new year, guys. First comments since it began, I see the focus of CrackBerry has changed to focus on the promotion of software for the last little – I'm reading it sideways because, again, I'm on a phone. So uh, forgive my neck being uh, perched in such a way. Is this a permanent focus to mirror the new focus of BlackBerry? Could you please give a comment a bit also on the use of a VPN and whether you guys use it personally? Thanks. It's kind of a dual-sided question in terms of the focus of CrackBerry and also the focus of 
you know, the security and stuff like that in terms of the, you know, the software that we use. Alex, have you, do you use a VPN for anything? So I know a lot about that and I messed around with it. Um, I personally don't really have a need to, I guess. Like there, there are reasons aside from like, I'm downloading an illegal movie. I should be on a VPN and things like that just for daily usage. I know like if you're outside of a certain country and maybe you can use a VPN to get more shows within Netflix. Like I see there's a bunch of different reasons to do it, but in terms of like, I want to block my privacy and I don't want them to know that I'm at this location. I really don't care. So I don't use one. Maybe I feel like, you know, blaze like you of any of us is probably someone who's using it or at least has experience with it. What do you, what do you have to say about it? So you're saying Blaze uh, downloading illegal stuff. No, okay. no, I just know that he, he plays <laughs> with that stuff a lot more than I do. No, no, and then, I mean, Alex is totally on par with that. I mean, that's basically, I don't use mine as a security tool. Like, I don't, I'm I'm fully well aware if anybody wants my data, they're going to get my data, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not important enough. Like, yeah. what are you, what are you going to get from me, right? Um, oh, mainly, I, I, I use mine. I do use a VPN on a daily basis, um, mainly to essentially just access things that I'm not technically allowed to be able to go ahead and access. A prime example would be like, uh, you know, like the the BBC online yeah. store doesn't allow U.S. or Canadian customers. However, using a VPN, I can download shows directly from the BBC store. I can purchase um, content directly from the BBC store just by using my VPN and, and pretending as though that I'm within the UK. Um, so I use it for that. I also use it for Netflix content. But again, when it comes down to, you know, the, the behind the scenes security situation of it all, it's not, it's not within my interest. Like I use it for the unintended purposes, basically. Yeah. Um, Cracker is selling some software for that too. In fact, because you guys offer some like software and learners courses and things like that. And the VPN was something you guys offered a couple like weeks ago. Yeah, is that correct? The digital, the digital offers that come up. I mean, let's be realistic here. I mean, you can, you can visit that stuff on pretty much any site nowadays that is out there. Um, you know, the next web, all of the, all of the popular places are, are basically selling software. That's what those, those content and those offerings are not necessarily something that's strictly based on Crackberry or any sort of Blackberry coverage. That's, essentially what I was leading into is like Crackberry coverage is always going to be revolved around Blackberry itself um, and whatever direction that they take us within. And we know that their, their direction at this point is going to be software. So, um, you know, as, as we're in the middle of that now, we're seeing the changeover now. So when, you know, that becomes more of a software focused organization and they start putting out more, direct stuff that is related to software we're going to continue with that coverage as well um we'll also you know the, the the device side of things sort of gets a little bit tricky because we don't know where essentially the devices are you know in totality going to be coming from like are we going to be reviewing some of these devices that get released in indonesia well that becomes a little bit trickier because why would anybody within our largest audience being US, Canada, and UK even be interested in these devices, right? So it becomes it becomes questionable at that point in time, like how much effort do we want to go in to sort of getting our hands on these those devices and reviewing them when essentially they're only meant for the Indonesian market. 
And then it also comes down to like, who do you contact for those sorts of things too? Do we have any contacts who can provide uh, review units or anything like that? But in terms of TCL, when it comes down to TCL and their, their North American Blackberry um, stuff, we'll, we'll definitely be able to go ahead and cover all of that stuff. But again, we're in a we're essentially in a transitional period with BlackBerry, and whatever whatever road BlackBerry takes us down, uh, that will be the the road that we travel as well. As long as uh, as long as there's something to cover that's BlackBerry, then we'll be there. Yep. Well, he's, he's he has a surfboard. He's ready to ride the wave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're gonna make we're gonna make it work. Uh, uh, Roger LeBlanc, who's Cell Ninja on CrackBerry and as a developer at large, makes a lot of good apps. Uh, for BlackBerry 10 still. And there's actually some forthcoming updates in 2017 for some of his BlackBerry apps. Do is a, is a great uh, example of that, as well as Hubby, and he did a bunch of smartwatch apps. There's tons of good apps there. So check out Cell Ninja for one. Also one of our patron supporters, he asks a question about BlackBerry and basically automotive in the trucking space specifically. And he mentions, you know, does BlackBerry have a propensity to go do something in not necessarily the autonomous car space, but in the autonomous trucking space, especially because they have radar as well. And that kind of clicked for me when he met, left his comment because I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's a great, great point. They've already done studies that car, uh, excuse me, trucks that drive kind of in tandem with one another save on fuel and they're more efficient, right? And they also take up less space because they're not scattered throughout the road, right? They can all just line up on the right side and kind of caravan together. You couple autonomous cars with BlackBerry radar in these large trucking and shipping freights. Now you have an autonomous fleet of shipping, right? And that you can track in real time using radar. So you're using BlackBerry technology to actually support the platform for the autonomous drive and then also using a BlackBerry IoT device to monitor the cargo in real time. I mean, there's a lot of synergies that could happen between something like that, specifically in the trucking space. Is BlackBerry focused on that? I think right now they're more focused on consumer vehicles. Longer term, right, as these, these vehicles get more commonplace, I absolutely expect them to go into the trucks and start going even further into that route. Would you guys agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. It just makes sense. And I think, I think once they prove their market and who their customer is with radar and they really start building that up then you go to that same customer and say look we've driven the xyz efficiencies for you let's talk about the next big opportunity let's talk about autonomous and how we can take that one step further in most businesses and this has been seen with uber as well the, a lot of the overhead costs in the actual transportation is all labor it's all paying the people to do the work paying someone to be there who's part of your organization, who holds your values to actually do the work. When you take that person out of the equation and you put a computer, the costs go down dramatically. To hail an autonomous Uber versus an actual human-driven taxi, longer term in the future, the costs are going to be astronomically lower for the autonomous vehicle to do it. So if you really think about it, autonomous is going to be the way of the future. It's going to be what we're seeing. And we're going to be seeing it across more verticals than just you know, the, the automotive and the, the, the trucking space too. I mean, we've already seen QNX and autonomous vacuum cleaners at CES 2017. We saw autonomous luggage on wheels that follows you. I mean, think about that. So you, you're running through the airport 
instead of having to lug some massive luggage, like the luggage literally just follows you with a camera. I mean, stuff like that's going to come, and it's already here, to, just so to speak, right? Once it gets consumerized, I think even more of it's going to become prevalent. And a lot of those same core platforms of technology, they all will kind of inherently use the same type of ideology to actually implement how they work, which is using sensor-based data to drive intelligence and make decisions, right? So I absolutely think that's a fantastic question, especially at the Detroit uh, truck show that was done very recently. I mean, we're seeing autonomous really take over and take off. I'm excited to see where we're going to be and where BlackBerry is going to start seizing some of those opportunities because as endpoints get more and more robust and prolific, there's going to be way more opportunity for BlackBerry to not only drive efficiencies and drop costs for people, but then also make money themselves. And they need that now. Alex, let's wrap it up here. Let's uh, get on with it. Yeah, uh, I got to go continue series of unfortunate events. I'm in the middle of, of an episode. So. Don't binge it. And there's only eight episodes. Sure long. Uh, okay. Sure long. <laughs> is like on the season finale already. There's only three episodes, I believe. So. Jeez. Well, you know, at the same time, James, I got to check out the OA. I got a bunch of things. I could, I could binge watch this because I got other stuff to watch now. So we're good. The OA something you'll turn on and you'll be like, oh, crap. I got to keep watching. Okay. That's how sensate is for me. Like once you get into it, you're, mm-hmm. you're into okay. it. You're, I know Blaze is a binger for sure. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. It was nice. Yes. Thank you so much, patrons, yeah. for continuing your support in 2017. You know, this this content, this show right now is literally for less than 25 people. It's literally for you guys that we do this extra half hour or extra time. So we hope you enjoy it and continue to give us feedback on what you guys want. We'll tailor that to you to make sure that it you know serves you well. We really do appreciate it. So keep rocking in 2017, and we will as well. See ya. Later, guys. Take care, guys.